Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Kevin Brooks. Kevin is a comedian, podcaster. He's also a motivational speaker. Tours all over North America telling his story, which is honestly such an amazing story. You guys are going to enjoy this. Please check me out on Instagram at NoorKidY. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check them out too. But let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Kevin Brooks. Hey, welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. Today I'm here with Kevin Brooks. Kevin, thanks for joining me, bro. Thanks for having me. No, this is going to be fun. Uh, You're a host of the podcast. You might want to sit down for this. Uh, You have such an amazing story. Uh, It's a crazy story and um, yeah, like honestly, it fits every theme of my podcast about self-transformation, about dealing with your kind of mental health and uh, really coming through on the other side. Um, Yeah, man, I guess let's like try to get started on like uh, maybe tell my audience where you're from and then we can kind of like go uh, a little bit uh, into the whole story a bit. Yeah, so um, my name is Kevin Brooks. I also go by Kevin Von Helvet as my comedy name, but on uh kevin brooks comes up on uh zoom so that works uh that would be like my my anyway uh i'm out in vancouver and yeah man i got quite a story i guess to tell been a been an interesting life for sure mm-hmm. um yeah dude so i don't know what do you want to like just jump into the story pretty quick or like what do you think uh because like, i know yeah, what's well, your podcast? I don't know. Why am I doing all the work? <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, all right, all right, all right. I like it. Yeah, get the host to do the steering. I get it. <laughs> all right, man. Like, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's start then. Um, back in high school when like uh, this whole shit kind of happened to you. Yeah, so I was actually out of high school. I was 21, um, but still acting very much like I was in high school. You know, priorities were party skateboard snowboard get laid fucking i worked to fund my my uh, extracurricular activities <laughs> i just got a car i was always like the craziest sort of guy of all my friends and shit like just i always kind of pushed it that extra level you know so mm. me and a vehicle it took quite a while to get one because my parents didn't want to sign for me to get one they just they just knew it was bad news man i was i'd already crashed a couple of cars i borrowed like it just I was living very fast and taking a lot of risks and, uh, you know, walking away from a lot of these things and always kind of getting a buy, getting a pass, like no real consequences. Yeah. So I think I was just getting cockier and cockier. Right. Just, and uh, yeah, it was, it was like summer night. Remember like late June, uh, big weekend, like, you know, I have two sisters and one was graduating that weekend. Allison, the youngest one was in like a ballet recital. She was five years old. It's like my girlfriend, my high school sweethearts in a horse show all weekend. And there's parties going on, just so much stuff and just such a good place. Like just everything's great. You know what I mean? And, and 
got a call. I was sort of famous last words was just going to chill out at home and, you know, not, not go out and get wild. And then got a phone call. There was a party. I'll come have a few beers, which turned into many, 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 many beers Mm -hmm. and driving around town with friends. And like, I remember even just having a moment stopping my dad's house to like grab more beers because the beer store was closed and just being like, shut her down, Kev. Like this, I mean, I, although I'd done this many times before, whether I was driving or, or the passenger, you know, drinking and driving and partying and all that, something that night was just kind of like, fuck man, shut her down, call the night. Like you actually felt that. eh? I had it totally. I remember it. I'll never forget it. And I actually like paused in like the driveway before I went in to like get the beers. And I got friends in my car running in the driveway and I'm sort of in between home and like going out. Right. And just, just shrugged it off as I normally did, whatever. Mm. And went to one more party and we were leaving that, that party. And uh, my buddy, Brendan, we grew up together, like playing sports and stuff and family's really close. Grew up in Cloverdale, small sort of suburb of Surrey, a small uh, suburb of Vancouver. Um, he hopped in with me and fuck, we went for one more party and we did not make it. And I woke up about three weeks later in a hospital, paralyzed, like chest down, just hooked up to tubes, tube in my throat, couldn't like tracheotomy, couldn't talk, couldn't move, couldn't breathe on my own, just laying there, like strapped to a bed. Cause I was super aggressive, I guess, and like hitting the doctors and nurses. Cause I guess happens often in like just sort of a fight or flight thing. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I eventually would learn that I was paralyzed, which seemed like the worst news anyone could ever get. And then learned after that, that my buddy Brendan had passed away in the car crash, which was next level, uh, just devastating and horrible. And it was just like, I remember laying in the hospital bed and thinking like, I wanted to die and I'm just, but the irony was I couldn't even like get out of, I was fucking trapped, man. I was like Metallica one, like I'm trapped in this bed. No, that's I couldn't get out of it if I wanted to I think, well, maybe if I pulled the plug, but there's alarms connected to the breathing machine. Like it's, ha, 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 ha. there was no way to bail. And I also had, I don't know, deep down, man, I just, there was like this will to live and, and fight. And I, you know, I thought about the bigger picture of my family and my friends and, there was, there was something inside me still a little flame flicker and burning to keep going and, and uh, support a family and friends and my buddy, Brendan, who passed away his family and just a whole community really rallied behind me and enabled me to, to, you know, get through the, the dark times in the hospital and get through, like, you know, get out of the hospital and to rehab for four months and rolled out of there in a wheelchair. And then at 21 years old, um, six months after the crash, like tits down, paralyzed manual wheelchair going, what the fuck do I do now? Like what, this oh, is yeah. life now. This is insane. This is new. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, just every single aspect of life was completely changed. And there's a lot going on physically and there's a lot going on mentally and emotionally. And yeah, it was a lot to deal with for sure. Yeah. So what was it like when you met Brendan's family for the first time? Because I bet that would have been just like absolutely, I don't even know how to describe that feeling. That would be insane. Yeah. Yeah. It was like when my, because it was my mom who like broke it to me that I was paralyzed and that Brendan had died. And she was, you know, at my hospital bed every single day. And um, 
you know, that was just like, I just couldn't even wrap my head around that. And then she's like, you know, but his parents are calling the house and they were like praying for you at his funeral. And they set up a donation and they're being really cool and really supportive. And I, I kind of thought, oh, maybe she's just telling me that to, to kind of keep me going or whatever. And before I was, you know, out of the rehab center, once I was, when I say rehab, that's like physical rehab stuff. But once I was out of there, a place called GF Strong in Vancouver, or before I was out of there, once I was able to just be functional enough that I could actually just like get into a car and roll around in a wheelchair, which took months of therapy mm-hmm. and, and relearning everything or learning really not relearning a lot of it. Cause you're learning for the first time. Cause you're learning it in a very different way. Yeah. But uh, we went off to Brendan's family's house and it was just like, I mean, I remember the first phone call just trembling and hanging up, you know, after dialing a few of the numbers and just not being able to dial them all and do it. And then, finally getting through to them and then and they just both being very supportive his mom's just crying and his dad's like you know like we're not here to blame you and going over their home and they were just super cool and super su- supportive and just like just amazing people that really mm-hmm. i know it would have been a very different story and i'd be a different person you know than you've got right now i don't know where i'd be maybe even be here at all i don't know if, if i hadn't had like that love and that support from his family yeah and there was like charges from the crash too and i pled guilty to them and and you know it's like a year and a half later they had some time to to grieve and really think about it and when they did a victim victim impact statement like his parents went to bat for me and like kept me to jail really like they they gave me another chance and uh, i'll never ever forget that you know because it could have very easily went a different way. And I think in similar situations, it often probably does more often than not go. Not the way that it went with me. You know, like, no, they I, cool. Yeah. yeah so. You, you got to be grateful for that dude. Like, yeah. And um, no, I, I think that shows their character too. Like to be able to forgive like that. Holy shit. And like, yeah. and understanding like, Hey, now like maybe supporting you and um, being a support system for you. Like, that's just an amazing thing. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think there's a lesson in that, like they're, they just said it's easier to, you know, to forgive than it is to like be angry and hate the rest of our lives or be, you know, have those resentful feelings. And I think that forgiveness is such an important thing in our lives to, you know, to let things go and to part of our healing process, you know, like that. I learned a lot from them through that myself and just learned to be uh, yeah, more forgiving and more understanding and, try to look at the sort of the bigger picture and yeah it was a valuable lesson in life and definitely something that enabled me to move forward and, and eventually you know start the process of forgiving myself and and, and building a new life mm-hmm. um when you were in the hospital and you were starting this rehab then how like I guess it was just completely different because you're saying now you're just learning to like use your body in a completely different way probably muscles and stuff that you never really used for that yeah. kind of purpose anymore right yeah it was it was more like i mean because like i'm like chest right so i've got i've got no core muscle for balance which was a huge huge thing so everything that i do whether you know to, to sit myself up i have to use my arms and pull myself up and then i'm fighting like atrophied muscles because i laid so long mm-hmm. um without doing anything and I'm fighting gravity and I'm fighting muscle spasms that came with being paralyzed and all this stuff. Like 
it was so frustrating. Like it's, it's like, okay, you're going to learn to breathe. And you're like, fuck off. Like just unplug me and I'll breathe. It doesn't make sense that I would have to learn to breathe or that I would have to learn to put my pants on or I'd have to learn to get out of bed or I'd have to learn to roll over in bed. And like things like rolling over in bed took weeks of therapy, like every day working with the therapist coming in to show me to like rock the muscle I've left up top. And then one day have enough momentum to throw my arm over and do run roll over in bed and being like cheering and thinking like a year ago, like I was up on a mountain doing 540 on my fucking snowboard. And now I'm stoked that I like rolled my body over in bed. It's just, <laughs> it was such a mind trip. Yeah, don't get it. But at the same time, like there, I, I took like, um, I guess inspiration and like grabbed onto those like small victories that were actually huge, you know, things that seem insignificant or um, just, I would never even think of that. I would take for granted all of a sudden were like huge things to learn. And they were all part of my ultimate goal, which is like to get the hell out of the hospital and get home. And I think from like growing up being like a skateboarder and I was pretty like good hockey player growing up and played in like all rep a and stuff like that when I was younger. And then eventually just kind of dodged on that to, to skate and then eventually snowboarding. I mean, I remember skateboarding, like just being in front of my house and I would just for hours, if I had to like try to learn this every over and over the same trick, try and try and try and try. Right. So I think that instilled something in me just to like, never give up and just to know that if you kept going, yeah, I would figure it out at some point. And and I just had this drive, yeah, to like, to figure it out and, and to grab on to like the little things, they were all building blocks towards a, a bigger goal and they were all positive momentum moving forward. And just to kind of like ride that wave and keep going with it and just like, you know, almost like sky's the limit. Like, it's like, all right, I did that. I never thought I'd do that three weeks ago. I couldn't even imagine fucking rolling over in bed or dressing myself i'd be looking over at another guy who was further ahead in his rehab lifting off the ground into his wheelchair and being like that's impossible i'll never do that and then all of a sudden i was doing it i'm like well now i'm okay well, if i did that so that was a big part of the recovery as well as just having like positive mental attitude and just being stubborn i'd say like there's definitely looking at a hill and be like i'm gonna roll up that fucking hill today it's gonna exactly. suck but i'm gonna do it to say I did it. So I need to challenge myself. And yeah, that was just there. That was built into me, I guess. I don't know what it was. I don't know if, yeah. Dude, it's fucking like, that shit's amazing. And trust me, like, um, so my, my dad, he just had a stroke back in Christmas and like his whole like left side was paralyzed and he's still yeah. in rehab. Like he's still in long-term care because he still hasn't started like really being able to like, like do be himself anymore he can't like yes it needs help for a lot of this shit so like i understand what you're saying that whole you have to be stubborn you have yeah. to fucking be looking forward and kind of being like hey like just keep doing it and we'll come back and you have to take you have to take those small victories right because like yeah. i know my dad when he starts getting those small victories i can see the momentum building and i can see that belief in him like hey i'll um, be able to like get out of here eventually and you totally. need that you do. And you have to kind of bite the bullet and go accept too. Like you have to accept. Cause that was the hardest thing I think for me is, is like, I'm 21. I'm cocky. I'm athletic. I'm strong, blah, 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 blah. I've never, you know, anything I've ever tried. I've been 
pretty much decent at it to begin with and then been able to figure it out. Right. So I've never had to work so hard for anything probably in my life. And which there was that part of me that was like, again, like, why would I, why would I fucking learn to do that? When I, when I, I'll just, I'll just start walking again. So I'm not going to learn to dress myself as a pain in the ass. And I have a physiotherapist, Cindy, who is like, you know, above and beyond. And I think it's important in life that they don't necessarily have to be a counselor or a doctor or whatever, have those credentials, but some people have, have wisdom and have experience and, you know, just have a gift to share or, you know, inspiration or words to share with us that can help us. And she was just like, you know, Kev, like, I get it. You're frustrated. You, you want to learn to walk who wouldn't, but the reality is, I mean, today you're paralyzed from the chest down. And if you don't learn this stuff, you know, you can sit here not learning it, not being able to do all these things for yourself, having somebody help you out of bed and dress you. And you can wait who knows how long your life kind of pass you by waiting for something to happen that might not, you know, never lose hope. Maybe you will walk again. Maybe it will get better. But in the meantime, you need to figure out the skills to make today a good day, you know, make today a great day, like to learn what you have to learn to get through this day right now. You can't, and that, that sort of changed me too. Like, just to like, I don't look super far ahead. You know, I like, I just focus on, all right, whether it's a good day or a bad day, it's like, okay, just live in the moment, get through this day, make this day happen, you know, accomplish the goals of this day, end of the day. All right. What's up tomorrow. And mm. when you're a very busy person, you sometimes can't really um, do anything more than that either. So that sort of worked out with my lifestyle pre COVID anyways, uh, yeah, it was yeah. a lot busier. Yeah, I guess that yeah, that whole the whole process brings you very into the presence, right? Like to yeah. the present moment, just to be like, all right, what the fuck am I doing right now? It is, and it's also like, because I, I think like, I mean, I've accepted as much as I can. Having a wheelchair, I live a good life. Being a paraplegic, you know, a lot of my friends are like, holy fuck, like you do more shit than me. Um, I've, I've made it a goal to live an amazing life and eventually becoming like an inspirational speaker um that i figured out very quickly like the, the better life i live and the more cool stuff i do uh the more it inspires people so it's like a win-win so if i go out and go bungee jumping or go up on a mountain and go snowmobiling or whatever go ride my hand cycle 30 kilometers and someone sees that they're like cool maybe i'll get on my bike today my legs work like what's stopping me right so yeah that was like inspiration too to like just just grab life and make the very very most of it that's fucking awesome man um so all right let's talk about then coming out of the hospital so this is um what was your feelings then was it like were you kind of like holy shit i'm lost like now i'm back in the real world like how did that feel yeah that was like shell shock man because i mean in a hospital everything is set up for accessibility right so if you go to use the washroom, I mean, it's got all that you go to use a door. It's got the fucking power button that opens the door. There's ramps everywhere. Like, you know, the tables are set up. If you go to eat in them that you can fit underneath them, like everything, there's forethought going into it. that people are in wheelchairs. And then all of a sudden you go home. And at the time I was living with my dad in a, in a house with a bunch of stairs. So he ended up selling the house. I wasn't living there. I moved into like a little condo with my mom and my parents are rad, but still at 21 to be in like a, I don't know, like 800 square foot condo with a one bedroom, one den living with my mom. It was, it was small. And I mean, I'm grateful that she, I mean, she's always been there for my parents, but uh, 
it was a rude awakening, man. And then <laughs> I remember just being like, I need to get out of here. It was on the fourth floor. So, I mean, there's an elevator, but I remember one day and I, I wrote about this a lot. I actually have a book out, but I, that I was like the elevator, somebody was moving into the building and they locked the elevator. And I'm like, well, I I'm going to the gym, so I got to get out of here. And I learned how to go downstairs in GF strong, the rehabilitation center, which is you go backwards and you hold like the railings oh, and you shit. just kind of go step by step. And the backwards yeah. thing is because there's a back behind you. You're not going to fall out. You go forward. You can fall out flat on your face. Plus the front little tires, bottom out all that. So if you go backwards and just hold the railing, like I, and it, and it looks badass, right? So <laughs> it looks really badass. I bet. Part of me was like, I want to do this. And part of me was like, I want to show these people moving in here. Like, fuck you. You just made a paraplegic dude stuck on the fourth floor. So whap, 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 like every step, just, you could hear it just echoing. I'm sure through the staircase, which is right beside the elevator. And they finally opened the door and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. So sorry kind of thing. And I'm like, ah, no, it's all here. We'll open the elevator. I'm like, no, nah, I'm already made this far. I might as well go, you know, the rest of the stairs. But there was just stuff like that. I remember even just like, be like, okay, there's a mall. Like, I don't know, um, probably a quarter kilometer from, you know, where I was living with my mom. I should be able to roll down there and just realizing like the little curb cuts for sidewalks and yeah. crosswalks and being in a parking lot. Oh, okay. The sidewalk ended. Now I got to shit. I got to jump off the sidewalk. Now I'm on the road or I'm in the just, yeah, basically I'm not on a sidewalk. I don't know if it's a road, you're in a parking lot, but there's people driving like idiots who can't see you. Cause you're low. It was just, it was like, Holy man, it was overwhelming at first. And I say that it's almost like over time, my brain shifted, like, and I go back to skateboarding again, where, and even snowboarding, where you're, you're out riding around and you're looking for your line. You're looking for the, for a jump. You're looking for a set of stairs or a gap or a handrail or whatever. If you're riding street or if you're out, just hit on the mountain yeah. in, in a park or, or just through the trees, you're always trying to find that path, the best path. And it's like, that's what I'm doing in my chair. I'm trying to find the least hill, you know, amount of hill, the, uh, or like, how am I going to be able to fit through that? Or is there, what's you know, like, try what's, what's a better surface. So my brain like adapted and became, I like to say it's like a GPS, like of accessibility, you know, like, it's just like, it's like Terminator when he like looks and like assesses everything. Like, that's what I'm always doing everywhere I go. I'm like looking at, okay, which way do I go? What's the easiest way? Like there's so much process. Yeah. Yeah. I guess and that, it's just, yeah, it's adaptation, man. Yeah. Not, I guess that, uh, skateboarding yeah, def definitely would have helped you with that. <laughs> I think it did. And I, and also like, I was like, all right, well, I'm still on four wheels. Like let's, let's take this fucking thing to the skate park. <laughs> that, that would be nice. Which I've honestly, done too. Honestly, going backwards down the stairs seems pretty badass. I got to give you some respect on that. <laughs> yeah, buddy. It was pretty gnarly. I still do that. Like you were just going like, if I'm in the, I like to do when people like grab an elevator and it's like, like if I'm in the sky train or something, I can just grab like the escalator and grab them and like go up just trips people out. So yeah, that's sick. <laughs> once in a while, still do shit like that. Um, so I remember uh, reading a bit about your story too. And uh, it said, like I said, I guess one of the like a big uh, moment in your life was going to the beach with your sister. And then, yeah. Uh, do you mind uh, sharing a little bit about that time? Yeah. So very close to my family. And, um, my sister Haley was like five years old when, when the crash happened. And there's something about her, like a kid's innocence that, you know, she never, she was just like, Oh, it is like, it's almost just like, Oh, he's in a wheelchair now. Okay. 
Like, you know, it's just yeah. weird sort of, <laughs> I guess they're just adapting and evolving so much at that age that she was, I remember her just like grabbing wheelchairs, like when they were visiting me and rolling around trying to learn wheelies and showing me up and joking with me and stuff. So she, there was a very special relationship there with both sisters for sure. Um, but my mom and Haley and I went to a lake near our home and a lot of it's kind of like, okay, what can we still do? Right. Well, this lake has like a paved trail to the, to the sand. So we can at least get to the sand. We'll figure it out from there. And I remember just getting to like the sand part and being like, holy shit. Like, I don't, I'm not getting through this stuff. Like wheels and sand do not mix. No. And my sister, you know, being a little kid, being anybody on a sunny day and in the summer is running and jumping in the lake and sitting there and realizing I couldn't do that really broke my heart. And just, it's just one of those things where you just kind of realize like just the impact that it has on the people around you. And I mean, I can all, I could always flip it too and be like, well, shit, man, like my buddy is not at the beach at all. So I always felt like I, I felt guilty whenever I'd feel sorry for myself. I would always kind of turn that more into like, I guess, inspiration or, or motivation, but I was just, there was some tears rolling down my face. I wasn't sure. I thought I was going to sit there and maybe watch her all day, but then I was like, nah, man, I got to figure this out. And I just like got the chair in like a wheelie so that like the front little tires were up. And just, if I just kind of shuffled and wheelied along the sand, I could get through it and roll down to the water and kind of pop myself with the chair and splashed around with my little sister in the water in the lake and just had that moment. And I remember feeling like, I don't know. I still felt like I was, I, I, like I had more to accomplish. Like I kind of felt like the lake was showing me up, you know? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was just like, fuck this lake. Right. Like I'm coming back to this lake one day. And again, like, I think just that stubborn attitude and just like, yeah, yeah, that's like, like such a man's motivation. Yeah. Eh? Like, fuck yeah. this lake. I'm going to fuck yeah. this lake up. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Like, fuck this lake's not getting the best of me today. Like, and I was just like, I'm coming back here one day. I don't know what capacity I'd love to like maybe swim it or I don't know. And uh, yeah, not long after that, I started looking into like school and I was interviewing people. I was looking at public relations program and I had to interview people in the profession. I ended up uh, interviewing Rick Hansen's uh, man of motion, you know, Canadian hero, paraplegic. Mm -hmm. I interviewed his PR lady and she was like, do you want to meet Rick? And I was like, sure. And met him. And I got to say, like in, in the early days, I think most people who get paralyzed, you don't really want to associate. I didn't want to associate people in chairs or disabilities because you're still trying to, I don't want to be that. You know what I mean? You're looking outward. So it's hard. It's kind of, it's almost like looking in a mirror and you're like, holy fuck, am I in a wheelchair? So it wasn't like a big, like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting Rick or Hanson right now. But I was like, oh, cool. Obviously I will meet him. Like, and, but he just had this like presence about him and said, Hey, like we're, we're starting this new thing with the foundation. We're trying to get people to hold like, you know, events right across the country in their communities. Would you do one? And it's you know hard to say no. I was like, yeah, man, for sure. And I remember just like sitting outside. I still had like no license. I lost my license and my car was totaled in the crash. And like, you know, my mom picking me up and I'm just sitting outside of UBC where Rick's office used to be university of British Columbia. Like what's my event? What's my event? And just like sort of that light bulb moment of, Oh yeah, the lake. I'm going to go back to that lake and we'll, we'll go swim it and we'll raise some money for this charity. And, and that's what we're going to do. And yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> nice, man. So yeah. you had to go and fucking learn how to swim then. Well, yeah, I'd, 
I, in, in GF strong in the rehabilitation center, they had a pool in there and they were like, the thing about being in a pool and doing pool therapy is there's no gravity in a pool. So maybe certain muscles that don't move, you know, maybe you can move them. You can do a little bit of rehabilitation. It also is nice to be in a pool because you're, it's the only time you're actually completely off your body. If yeah. you're either sitting down or you're laying down, whatever. Right. And I guess, I mean, for people too, but I mean, if you're standing on your feet, whatever, but we're, if you're paralyzed, you're always on a fairly big surface of your body that maybe you're not supposed to be on so much. So it's nice to just get in a pool and be off your body. Yeah, There's no sense. pressure on it. Yeah, yeah. So I'd been in a pool and I'd learned the basics, but uh, once I got home, I started doing that Watsu therapy out um, in Aldergrove, which isn't too far from where I live with a lady who does like just therapy out of her home. And she was really cool. Her name was Joy. She allowed me to like train for six months and learn to swim and then like sponsoring and being a big part of like the event. And we had like a whole, you know, planning committee and stuff. And it was just hilarious too. Cause I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. And I don't know that anybody else involved really had done an event before we were just like, let's, we'll just learn as we go. And Rick Hansen foundation was kind of like, yeah, if you have any questions, you know, ask us. And it was like every day, like, Hey, what am I doing? I'm sure they got annoyed with me, but <laughs> when I showed up uh, a year and a half later, whatever it was with, with a Tupperware container with like $10,000 in it, I, I think they were pretty stoked. I got like personal Christmas cards from Rick Hansen for many years after that, actually. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, It turned out pretty good. And that was, but that was a thing. That was a new thing for me because I, was, I got a lot of trouble when I was younger and I was pretty, pretty focused on my needs and what I wanted to do and didn't really give a fuck. It was a very, very rebellious, fuck the world attitude in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, kicked out of schools, vandalism, in and out of court, jail, mm-hmm. uh, not serious stuff, but breaking enters and just fuck. I just, I like to fucking shit up, man. That's, yeah, yeah. you know, as a punk rock skater kid, it kind of all fit together. I would have never been a part of an event like that you know before the crash or i don't think i definitely not in my younger years i thought shit like that was lame and then uh all of a sudden i'm doing it i'm like oh this is this is rad like we made it our own it doesn't have to be fucking lame like this is sick and then that night went and saw this band called pennywise who's a big fan of punk rock band or like being on stage and singing with them being like this is a dope day man like i need more of this in my life and and fortunately through that event and uh, someone who was there was part of the committee. She worked at an elementary school. It's like, you should go talk to the kids. And that started another uh, life-changing journey where I started to speak in schools. And uh, that's what I do. And I've been doing that for like 17 years. But it all started from, yeah, from meeting Rick Hansen, then doing that swim, and then getting invited. And it all a lot of things just kind of came together that it was just almost like, man, like the pieces are just yeah, coming together yeah, and leading like, me into this journey. Dude, I fucking love that, man. And like, even starting from that, uh, like just with your sister at the beach and just pushing through that first resistance of like, Hey, I'm going to go into the water. Like, fuck this beach. Fuck this yeah. lake. <laughs> yeah. Fuck this lake. I'm going <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> no, like even just doing that and getting into the water, like just pushing through that opened up like a whole fucking world, open up opportunity, open up like just things in your head of like what I want to do. And then meeting Rick Hansen, like all these pieces started to fall together. 
and like yeah then and like you found like some I don't know it seems like a little bit more purpose in your life a little bit more uh just like you know enjoying life again right for sure yeah this the speaking gave me so much purpose just fulfillment man like just it's that like when you're giving you know you're helping other people and I mean from from the early days to now 17 or 18 years later uh well over a thousand talks across North America. That's I've, I've learned a lot and adapted it, the talk to, uh, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing in the elementary schools. I was just trying to get through cause I was terrified of public speaking and just winging it and going like, we swam a lake and leaving out a lot of the details. Cause I didn't, I wasn't quite ready to be like, yo, I drove drunk and killed my friend cause I was being an idiot mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And maybe not the best audience for it anyway with elementary school kids especially somebody who doesn't know how to properly deliver it you know yeah yeah but uh icbc the insurance corporation of bc approached me pretty quickly in uh once i was doing those elementary schools which was a trippy thing too because the girl angela who was a friend from high school she had suggested i take the public relations program and she had taken it herself and she had like finished it was working for the city of abbotsford which again is kind of close to where i live uh, east of Vancouver, and she was working with ICBC. And then she made the connection for me and this ICBC dude, Don, who was like, Hey, we should get you into school. And I, I never, I had like, I never made a PowerPoint or anything. They made me like a little video. It was called My Story, probably for like fucking 10 years. My presentation was called My Story, which I think is hilarious, but I couldn't think of anything better than that. It just worked. <laughs> and I had a little click, click slideshow. And then when I was actually in school, in college, I learned PowerPoint and it just started to evolve and then take on new messages from, to, you know, mental health and suicide prevention and overcoming obstacles and perseverance and just, I mean, healthy choices. There's so much built into it now because I try to give in every talk, just all of the experience and all the lessons that I've learned to really just plant seeds. Hopefully that people pick them up and Hell yeah. Try to make and it like, so it's valuable to everybody, right? Because yeah, not everybody's you have so many or... topics. So it's like that's uh like it it will be valuable to everyone. Um, do you notice like when like students and stuff, like especially like high school and college kids, when you're like uh, speaking with them, do you like have like maybe like one or two parts that they seem to resonate with more than others? There's definitely like when I tell that story about my sister, like that hits hard. Um and then I have this part where I'm talking about being in the hospital and I couldn't move my legs. And then I tried to like wiggle my toes and I couldn't wiggle my toes. And I, I kind of keep saying, wiggle your toes. And then all of a sudden, I, I just remember the first time I did that in a presentation that I, I noticed that the audience was kind of looking down and I called them out. I'm like, you're wiggling your toes right now, aren't you? Like, <laughs> awkward laugh. And I'm like, no, no, that's all good. Like, I'm glad you can wiggle your toes. I hope you can wiggle your toes. That's why I'm here. That's the point. So just wiggle your toes became like, my freaking thing, man. Like it's tattooed on my knuckles. It's the name of my book. It's like the name of everything I do. It's my Instagram and, uh, people have got it tattooed on them and all sorts of stuff. But, uh, that, that thing, that's something that I, everybody still does that when I do a presentation, you know, and I kind of call I'm like, you're trying not to, you're not going to do it, but you will, like, it's going to happen. <laughs> and I kind of mess with them and they laugh and stuff, but it's, I always end with that too. Like, Hey, like if you're going to, if you ever need to come back to anything you heard or felt or saw today, just wiggle your toes. And there's your reminder. 
And I still to this day, man, I can just be cruising down the street. So I'll be like, yo, just wiggle your toes, man. You spoke at my school like 10 years ago. Ha, 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 and ha, 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 it's pretty cool that, that that's still, that that's what stuck. You know, I don't, they don't give a shit if they remember my name, but they remember that and something to do with the message that, that helped them. And like just the last couple of days, it's, it's been COVID really, really shut things down more or less for a year. I was in Florida doing like a speaking tour. And I had like, I was going up to, I think, Boston after that and New York. I was going all over, man. I was never been so busy. I just put out this book. It was just, it was just amazing. And then COVID hit. And it was just like, boom, just done. Like everything canceled just at home. And it was like, whoa. And for, I mean, a year and a bit, there was next to nothing. And then I started doing some virtual stuff last spring with this little setup I'm on right now, which I also started the comedy podcast with as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I just did my first live talk in a school for an audience on Monday in like 19 months. Nice fun. And it felt so good. And it just felt like it opened this door to something that had been kind of closed for a while. And, and there's just been such good energy coming in. Like I got a message on Tuesday from, I just saw some girl added me on um, Instagram and liked a few of my pictures. And I was like, I don't know who this is. And, whatever. Right. Like, but they're liking a lot of my stuff. So whatever. Cool. And then I got a message for the next day. We were on the Tyra bank show together in 2006. Tyra banks used to have like an actual yeah, like daytime that. talk show. Yeah. 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 So I got an, I got a message or a call from, from her producer saying, we've got this girl who's like, you know, 20 or 21 or 17. I don't even know how old she was probably like, she might have still been a teenager. She's drinking, she's partying, she's making bad choices. And would you be down, like, will you come down here and kind of like scare straight? And I was like, well, I'm never the guy who I'm not the like sobriety talk guy. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if she's putting herself in, if she's getting in vehicles, like I do that, or if she's, you know, getting herself in harm's way, like getting wasted and passing out at parties around drunk pervy guys, like I could definitely just go and talk to that, you know? And uh yeah we met on stage i she was brought out and fucking thinking she was on tyra to be the party girl and then there's some dude in a wheelchair like hey there's pictures of my car mangled behind like rude awakening uh we uh then we shared a limo to the airport after and got to know each other a little bit and she's just a really cool girl and uh the tyra show is almost like i think all daytime talk shows they the, the story was the, the the narrative was written before the characters were probably chosen if you know what i mean so yeah yeah it was it was whatever it was what it was but i have, i still made an impact on this on this girl and uh yeah she messaged me tuesday and she's like oh man i can't believe i found you like you're still changing lives and sent a picture of us like from 15 years ago yeah, her name's victoria in the back of this limo and i was like that's so cool and i just there's just stuff like and then i got a message yesterday from a student from oregon who is like can you mentor me with my speaking and and her brother and this is sort of a sad story it is a sad story he uh he'd got to just wiggle your toes tattoo after my presentation and i guess his dad was you know popping like opiate pills and got into heroin and whatever and uh isaiah the son he just graduated you know starting his life working in that and was kicking it at dad's and i think he took a pill or something and there was fentanyl in it and he od'd and died and the family reached out to me 
I don't know how long after I remember I was actually in Florida then just kind of chilling after a day of presentations and just because I get so many messages from students and stuff like that. And some just hit so hard and they're like, you just want you to know if you remember, like I ever reached out to you, I was really moved by your talk. And we all had like, just wiggle your toes rocks that we gave to everybody at the funeral and just want to let you know, like you just really made a big impact in his life and our family. Thanks you for that. And I was like, holy shit, like just blows my mind sometimes. Like when I hear what, what kind of impact it has on people and his, his sister reached out yesterday asking if I would like, you know, mentor her because she's wanting to or she already is doing like advocacy stuff. She's like 20 years old doing advocacy stuff for opiate awareness. And I don't know, man, it's been, it's been quite a journey. Um, It's just been amazing to be honest. It's like, and I'm just glad I'm glad it's coming back. I guess is sort of the point of that is that it, it, it sort of was on hold for a bit and I was doing comedy and I started like a punk rock podcast that I, that I don't even advertise in the Kevin Brooks world because I'm pretty dirty comedian. I'm definitely pretty blue. Uh, I make fucked up jokes, you know, like, and I don't think they're like overly offensive, but I just have to be careful because my audience as a speaker is like, I don't know, man. It's like five to like 95, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of have like two different worlds. Uh, I never, I never shy away from talking about like the speaking stuff in the comedy world, but I kind of keep the comedy stuff on the down low, but it's funny too, because I mean, I was always a fucking dirty. I was always had a demented sense of humor. Like I was never that like innocent boy next door, but I just have to, there's a fine line, I guess, between uh, what's appropriate for adults who are drunk in a bar and what's appropriate for students in a school. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, no, I guess that's uh, true. Yeah. What made you jump into comedy? Because that was comedy. You said was just been five years for you. You said right. Yeah, I. One of my good buddies, Luke. He's like he just loves comedy. I I love comedy too. I'm not a huge. Like I hate most stand up comedians. I find them fucking annoying. Um, <laughs> I find most comedy specials to be dog shit. Like I like a specific type of comedy. Nice. I can appreciate other stuff maybe, but. I'm also like, this fucking sucks and it annoys me and get over yourself. You fucking pretentious piece of shit. Um, Yeah. So who would ever thought I would, but I I had thought about going up and doing comedy, but I'm more of like, you know, Simpsons family guys. I'm like, I love, I love every situation I'm in. I'm always trying to make it funny. I'm always, and I think, or I know through the injury and that, that humor played a big part in it too. Cause when I was, you know, all fucked up in the hospital. People were visiting me. I would always just try to crack jokes and fuck around. And I, my throat was all taped up with like, kind of like duct tape. Well, the hole was healing yeah. from the trach and I'd plug my nose and blow. And it made this kind of like trumpety sound and it would just fuck people up. <laughs> it was just always my thing. Or when I first got, started moving my mom, I'd like my wheelchair wheels is a button. They pop in and out and I would like have it so like they were basically one was just right off and rolling the house, like condo as fast as I could and then push the tire off and just tumble and eat shit and freak her out like I just have always <laughs> going to the beach and going to the lake and there's like a wooden pier that, and just rolling off the end of it into the lake and people being like oh my god like, <laughs> just, <laughs> I love fucking with people and um and just having a laugh and like sometimes that maybe at their expense but I think after people are like oh that was hilarious yeah like, yeah you're, 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 you're a dick but I can appreciate it 
Um, and I was even thinking about that today, like my dad's buddies and, and my dad, like, I think it's just like with anyone that we were friends with or in our, in our circle, like we make fun of people, we, we fuck with them, but it's like totally out of love and we expect the same thing back. Mm-hmm. So that's how I was. And just my buddy, Luke, he was just more of like, he is the student of comedy, but too shy to do it. And just suggested I go hit an open mic and just wouldn't really let it go. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to go do it. And I went and did one. And as I'm sure you did, and you were like, Hmm, that was terrifying and traumatizing, but also fucking awesome and exhilarating. Yeah. And I think I'm going to go back and do it again. And I think I had a bit of a head start, uh, just having all the experience in front of audiences and stuff. And so far, uh, she's gone pretty good. I just did my first like pro like comedy club house of comedy, the old laugh line to new West, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, headlining sets. I did like 52 minutes. Good for you, man. And, uh, I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling I'm digging it. So, but, and I'd say like, like on the road and stuff, it's nice that I'll hit open mics or if I've been to a city like Florida, I've been like Tallahassee knows me so I can go back there and I can do shows. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely, nice. I've done shows all over the U S because I've been there speaking and went, well, I should go do a show. But it's a nice break because the public speaking stuff, I love it. I have humor in it. I have fun with it. But it's heavy, too. Like I was saying, like just some of those stories with, you know, emails and messages and some of the stuff people reach out with that uh, it's nice just to go into a bar and just tell some dick and wheelchair jokes and just be a fucker. You know what yeah. I mean? And just kind of no, just yeah. let it go. Right. Like it's And like, I can tell that's your personality. Like you want to fuck around. Like, so I yeah. can see like doing these fucking speaking tours all the time. It can be too heavy for you. So like, yeah, just going out and just being like, all right, let's tell some fucking dirty jokes. <laughs> totally. And it's, it's a great way to meet people. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny. You're probably like, I- I'm tired of inspiring people. I want to either make them laugh or fucking make them outraged. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, I say that like, there's not my, my uh, comedy is not inspiring at all. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's inspiring at all. Cause I, but I would never want to pander to an audience either. and be like, you know, like, Oh, like I'm in a wheelchair. Life has been like, which is kind of funny. Cause I, I, I never feel like I'm doing that in in my speeches, I don't, but I'm like, I'm like, ah, I'm just going to more like make fun of the wheelchair and fuck with people. And like my interactions with people, like the dumb things people say that are able-bodied and shit like that. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, it's, uh, it's been, but yeah, it's, I think about it often. Like the car crash was in June, it was 21 years. I'm 42 years old. So it was half my life that I've been paralyzed now. And, uh, um, just, I still sometimes like, go back to like thinking about when I was laying in the hospital bed and I had a tube rammed in my throat. I couldn't talk. I had no voice because it was blocked off from the tube. I couldn't breathe on my own. I'm strapped down to a bed. I can't move. Uh, there's tubes up each nostril. There's tubes coming up my side. There's all these machines, doctors and nurses. I'm pissing myself, shitting myself. Like I'm just, I'm like, I can't do anything for myself. And I'm laying there thinking that life is over. And there's no way, there's no fucking way that I can ever pull out of this or turn this around or make something of this. This is, this is too much to deal with or to come through and look back to that and be like, well, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There, you know, if, if you, if you don't give up, um, there's a way, man, you can find your way. And sometimes those bumps in the road and those things that throw us off our trajectory, if we even had one or 
things that devastate us or knock us down, they can, they can kind of open up a new door and lead us down another path. And through that wisdom and knowledge and experience, you can, I think the best way to heal and move forward is to like, you know, learn from it, but also like share it and like take that and help people with it or help society with it or do something positive with it. If you can do that flip from taking something negative and turning into something positive, that's the greatest healer of all. Fuck yeah, man. Uh, no, that's uh, such a good message. Yeah. Fucking share it. Uh, it really does help other people and that in tune helps yourself as well. And uh, then you can always go tell some dick jokes at night. <laughs> yeah. And then you can do that too. Right. <laughs> and I think we just like, we live in a, like I, I got on the, I, I took the bus to go downtown to do comedy recently. And I, I like, I'll have some drinks at a comedy show. So I'm like, well, I'll take the bus. Cause then, you know, I don't have to drive, I drive now with a hand control. So obviously don't drink and drive practice where you mm-hmm. preach, learn my lesson there. And I get on the bus and I'm just, it's just kind of like an, I kind of got on in an awkward way. And I was trying to put the money in the stupid fucking thing, the change. And then my wheelchair started rolling backwards down the ramp, kind of out the door. And then I'm kind of sideways and it's just really awkward. And Every single person in the bus is watching me struggle, but not one person jumps up to help, which is fine. Like I was probably wearing a shirt with a big pentagram on it and I'm covered in tattoos and look like the guy be like, fuck you. I don't need help. But I also feel like we kind of live in a society where people are just more and this COVID thing, like it's like everybody's fending for themselves and people have been so isolated that we've become very much just closed minded. It's just survival our own basic needs and survival. And I think we're at a time where that's the last thing we need right now. We need to like really come together and work together and help each other and share our knowledge and experience with each other. And just, I mean, fuck, there's just so much hatred and division and stuff in the world. And it's just like, that's, that's not the way to a a positive, good society. It's, it's the opposite. So if people can, yeah, take, take, their trauma and and we live in a time where the entire world is like collectively going through something and i don't think there's probably ever i don't i can't think of another thing in life even the world wars or anything where actually the whole every single fucking person on this planet is dealing with covid and a pandemic on some level Mm -hmm. so that actually in a way you would hope would bring us more together that we're the shared experience that we could like grow from that rather than like deteriorate as a society yeah and you know there's still time like i know when we're in the midst of it we might be like when we are fucking divided and angry and all that shit like you were saying and like how you were saying like we're isolated like people not wanting to even help you when you're there like i've seen that so many times especially when i'm living in toronto like yeah see so many people struggling and it just doesn't seem like anybody even wants to like, you know, it's just like, I don't even want to go talk to that person or something like that. Yeah. So I know what you're saying. Like, uh, yeah, you want to like, we should be more into like, let's try to help each other out. And like going through this collective trauma, like you were saying, I'm hoping there's like a bright side at the end of this. We're kind of in the middle of it still. But yeah, I, I do hope there is some sort of positive transformation that kind of comes through like society and people and in general. It's definitely, and I'm sort of focusing on the negative, which I don't always do, but yeah, if you, if you go buy a bunch of, if you buy every toilet paper roll and go sell them in a parking lot, you're a cunt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you went and bought a bunch of toilet paper and then like fucking gave it out to people who 
didn't get any because it was fucking sold out, you're a good person and probably some good things are going to come to you, you know, like think of the bigger picture. Yeah. And there definitely are people out there doing good things too, but um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a, it's a challenging time for sure. And I'm just glad, like, I'm glad that I, that the door seems to have been open Monday for doing this talk and just kind of bring this energy back into uh, yeah. To like start doing positive things again and spreading positivity and inspiration and fuck yeah, man. Firing this thing up again. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. And I'm glad it's coming back for you, dude. So yeah, I wish you the best with that. Uh, all right, man. Fuck it. I got one more question for you. I'm uh, interested yeah. to see where you go with this. So uh, Kevin Brooks, uh, God, yay or nay. Yeah. Um, I was telling you, I'm wearing a I'm a big punk rock. I'm wearing a shirt that says satanic surfers right now. They're a punk rock band. Nice. Uh yeah, I'm uh I'm gonna say nay. I well, religion nay. God, I I I mean I think there's probably a I don't know. I don't think if anything, I probably think God maybe would be an alien or something. You know what I mean? Like oh, okay, like we're I, I fucking hate organized religion. I have a whole new bit about burning churches. I have a burning church tattoo on my arm. Um, Holy shit. <laughs> so I will be promoting this only to the comedy page. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like organized religion is has brought more hate and destruction and division and racism and homophobia and just all the things that it's not supposed to do. Like it's supposed mm-hmm. to be about love and peace. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of that in a lot of ways. And um, if any sort of belief system or spirituality, I have a lot of respect for like indigenous, um, you know, culture. And I guess what do you even call it? Just the belief system of just that we're all connected. And you know, I'm a vegan uh, sometimes not, but I try my best. Mm-hmm. Um, but that everything's connected in this world and this, in this universe, there's energy and, and we're all kind of, interconnected and that every action has a reaction and you know has a effect so you know to think of the bigger picture i guess but i'm not sure i'm super down with yeah i know i'm not down with hey this is this guy believe this guy because someone wrote a book i feel like I feel like organized religion is almost the same thing as Santa Claus, where it's just like, be really good and you'll get something nice in the end. Yeah. It's trick. It's like trickery. And uh, yeah, I think it's corrupt. No. And I don't like it. <laughs> I can get it, dude. Hey, since I started this podcast, I think, uh, I think a lot of people have turned on organized religion, which uh, I'm kind of with you. I think it's a good thing. But uh yeah, like you said, like I think a lot of people are looking for spirituality in some other ways, and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a good thing when you can kind of find it in like other uh, places. I think so, and I think like I I know, um, I I do talks in religious schools. Probably, if I do more of these podcasts, uh, maybe less of them, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> or maybe they'll want to save me. I don't know, but. Yeah. A lot of the time I kind of do the, I'll do my talk and sort of explain everything. And then it's like, oh, you know, like God had a plan for you. This was God's plan. And I'm like, fuck off. Like God yeah. didn't fucking do any of this shit. I did this shit. I'm not fucking giving God credit. I made these choices. Yeah. I did what I did. And you know what I mean? And it's like, I feel like we all make the choices, like not to put it out to like, God will tell me what to do. God's going to like, no, you got to fucking make that 
quit asking Jesus for help. Go out and fucking find it yourself. It's what you do with your life, with your situations. It's not what happened. It's what happens next. That is up to us. And take accountability for your actions and for your, for your life, for your, for your purpose. And if you find, can live a life that's full of fulfillment and purpose, I don't know, maybe you don't have to look to some mythological being to fill those gaps. Like go, go do it yourself. Go be a good human, go help others. Go. I like, like a lot of the stuff that's, you know, the, the praxis of Jesus or whatever the hell you want to call it, that they, you know, like to love one, be kind to others and, you know, do unto others you want to do. You just, you don't need fucking a present called heaven or, you know, presents under the Christmas tree. Just go do it. Yeah. To do it. To be a good <laughs> human. And ironically that there actually is a gift that comes in it. And that is like fulfillment of your heart to have like a greater purpose that you're actually like, it does feel better to give than it than, than to receive, you know? Mm. And the more you give the actual more you, the more real shit you receive in your heart. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Ah, thanks, man. Hey, thanks, Kevin. This was amazing. Uh, your story is uh, like very great. Uh, and like, yeah, like you said, I love that the gift uh, of giving it's in your heart. That's fucking fulfillment. That's the shit that we should be uh, telling people. Um, thanks again. Uh, please let my audience know uh, about uh, where they can grab your book, uh, your pod, yeah. anything else. Yeah. So just wiggle your toes is the book. And you can find it on Amazon or if you Google it, uh, you can find it online. Just wiggle your toes. It's all over. Um, it's a pretty quick read. We kept it nice and short for the kids. It's got, it's got bit my mom's in it. My sister's in it. There's some students who are like suicidal who saw me talk who are in it. We focus a lot on like mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, it's a really inspiring story. So please check it out. We'd love you to check that out. Maybe a good gift for somebody for the holidays and so i'm like fuck christmas but i'm like hey, buy, <laughs> buy some of my book yeah um, <laughs> uh, if you want to look into like more i have a website kevinbrooks.ca which is the public speaking at just wiggle your toes on instagram and if you want to see wheelchair and dick jokes um my instagram is at jerry spine failed <laughs> and um my podcast is called you might want to sit down for this and it is available on the comedy here often network. I have a website, uh, www.sitdownforthispodcast.com or Instagram at sit down for this podcast. And that is like, it's inspirational to everyone. Every guest I've had generally has some sort of story, some perseverance, something they've been through. Um, a lot of punk rockers cause I'm a big punk rock kind of metal guy. And, uh, yeah, we have some fun on there for sure. So uh, check it out, please. Fuck yeah. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Kevin. No prop. Thanks for having me, Norton. Nice to meet you, man. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to tell some dick jokes together one day at a, at a club or something. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NewerKidY on Instagram. Or check out my website, NewerKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up. And all that other information. We're part of the Comedy Here Often Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.